Seltzer Kings Podcasts. What does an 18-year veteran of the tech industry and a 20-year veteran of the military have in common? More than you might think. Welcome everyone to the, the Second, Second Act Podcast. Podcast, leveling up your life's journey. We're back. We wrapped up episode two. I hope the audience liked our discussion about rebounding from setbacks or failures, our personal whys that keep us motivated to keep going, and the importance of perspective in any endeavor. Some incredible stories in that episode. And John, I appreciate you opening up and sharing your story about the loss of your daughter in that conversation. I I can't possibly imagine uh, the pain of something like that. Um, and rebounding from something like that. But um, I, I know there's people out there in the world that have gone through similar things and and just having you know a partner in that journey uh, is, is nice to hear from. Um, today we're going to talk about some of our daily routines, leaving behind the conventional world for something more risky and ambitious. Imposter syndrome, what is it, how it affects people, getting into analysis paralysis, and dealing with risk management. You ready to go, John? I am absolutely ready to go, Michael. Thanks for uh, the intro, and uh, man, I'm, I'm excited about today's episode. Yeah, and before we kick off our main topic, <laughs> I thought it would be worth injecting just a little humor for the audience. After we wrapped up last week, you asked when, uh, when we stopped recording if I ever changed my clothes. Um, because I'm always, I always appear to be wearing the same thing every day. You are wearing the same thing every day. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I have my black t-shirt on again. Uh, no hat today though. Um, and I just think it's kind of funny, uh, for us to compare and contrast like the directions of our journey, uh, where we're very similar, right. In, in the things that we're doing, but also, uh, just sort of accept our differences and how we're approaching life these days. So why don't you start out with what you used to have to do um, in your past life in the military and sort of what you've graduated to, and I'll I'll maybe share how I'm going in the opposite direction. Yeah, Michael, I think you're you're giving me a little a little taste of the medicine that I've been giving my wife for the past 15 years. You know, being part of the military, you, you don't have much freedom in what you wear every day. And being a, being an aviator, I was blessed to be able to wear a flight suit, uh, 15 years. Um, uh, I would say seven days a week, I was wearing brown boots, green flight suit, green t-shirt, uh, short hair. And I didn't have to think about it. And it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it, it really opens up your um, the ability to put thought where thoughts required, you know, and, and taking out that, that requirement to have to figure out what you're going to wear every day. It's, it's pretty nice. But now I look at you and I don't know, I think it's, you know, this being the fourth episode, this is the fourth time I've seen you in a black shirt, uh, <laughs> sitting there looking at me and I'm like, man, that guy never, never changes. <laughs> so I bet it's, I bet it's nice. Uh, and it probably frees you up a little bit. 
Yeah, it's it, for me, it's it's one less decision to have to make during the day. 18 years uh, in the tech space and, you know, there's you're getting pings and dings and rings all the time uh, dealing with questions and concerns and decisions. And that's just at work. Uh, then you have the stuff at home and the stuff you want to do personally and trying to reduce uh some of the decisions during the day just helps you become more efficient with your time. Just before we kick this off, you and I were chatting about, you know, a week, everybody only has 168 hours in the week. And yeah. if I can optimize just a small amount of that by reducing the decisions on what to wear, because I'm not <laughs> a fashion forward type of person. I, uh, uh, no one's going to ever accuse me of being, uh, somebody who, uh, is going to be on the cover of any magazine for my fashion, but, um, it works for me. And again, it's just one less thing I have to think about. I do change it up once in a while, but I try to, I try to stick to, <laughs> to something standard. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I've traded in my short hair for a beard and a baseball hat every day. So I think People are probably tired of seeing me like this all the time, but that's, it's kind of worked for now. And, and so, but it's interesting you talk about that because, you know, you look at some people who have made it really big and, and Bill Gates is, is one that comes to mind. Um, there's a, uh, Christian rapper I like to listen to, his name is NF and he always wears the same black shirt and raps about, um, wearing the same clothes over and over and over because he's not into fashion and that's just his style. But, um, the, it's interesting the people that have adopted that lifestyle and how it does free them up to, to have more time to think about and, and put thought towards other things. And there people that do adopt that do seem to be more successful. Um, or maybe it's just they're they stand out because they're like that. Um, so is that, is that kind of the, genesis of of what you're doing yeah it, i would say that's definitely part of it and I, I have to give my wife some credit for for this as too she's been on this minimalist journey for quite some time and uh and then you touched on it earlier about focusing on the things that are important versus things that are maybe less important and you know fashion for some people is a big deal yeah uh, but for me it's it's that's not the important thing to me. And so I, I just try to minimize the, the energy and effort that goes into picking out the, uh, the outfits for the day. Um, but, and that's a good segue into our first topic of daily routines. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll kick it over to you, John. What are, what are some of your daily routines that uh, you like to focus on? It doesn't have to be daily necessarily, but just routines, things that you do on a, on a fairly regular basis that help you manage your day and, and achieve the things that you want to achieve? Man, Michael, I, you know, it's a good, it's a good topic and there's, there's different camps that I've definitely tried to get into. And, and one of them, I think, uh, I think about is time blocking, you know, people sit there and they regulate every single day and, and it's very similar, you know, from seven to eight, they're going to work out and from eight to eight fifteen, they're going to take a shower and, they, and it's, you know, um, Mark Wahlberg is one of those guys that wakes up, I think at three 30 in the morning and he gets his first workout in and, and it's very regimented almost every day. The military 
while people think that we are very regimented, I think aviation's a little different. And in that our schedules were very um, non-regimented, you know, it, it fluctuated from day to day. It was different every single day. And that was based on flight times and, and what we had that required our attention. Um, and, and so while I do have a routine and I do have things that I want to do every day, I'm not regimented down to the minute or have things stacked in the same order every day. Um, one, because it gets boring, but two, I just, you know, my wife for, for the last 12 years was the one that helped usher me out the door every day while she was taking care of my kids. And so now that I have retired and gotten out of the military, I feel like it's my duty. And, and I truly love helping her get out the door each day with the kids going to school and she's a teacher. So it's, you know, the mornings are circled around helping her and the boys get ready and get out. And then once that door closes and they're, you know, on their way to school, then that's when my kind of, my routine starts. And while I have, you know, the daily gym, the daily protein shake, the, the daily Bible reading that I'm going to do or quiet time, yep, it's not stacked in a, in an exact fashion every single day. I know that I need to get it done. I know how much time it takes, but each day being a little different will allow me to have those things fall in line when they fit. And so it kind of creates a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of structure there, but it also fluctuates based on um, what the environment is for that day. Are you, uh, are you a very regimented person every morning? Uh, it's, it's more similar to the way you think about the world now. I, I think what you were describing in the military process and procedure, especially as an aviator, you know, there's probably a set of things you have to do in a certain order, um, uh, to ensure, uh, safety and, you know, you know, getting yeah. from point A to point B the, yeah. the, the right way. But now, now that you're an entrepreneur and, exploring all these different amazing things that you want to do. I, I, I think the flexibility is important in the daily routine, but knowing the things that are going to help your well-being uh, in the way you approach life um, are, are sort of baked into that process. And for me, mm-hmm. when it comes to my well-being, I like to do at least one thing every day that brings me joy. And recently, uh, it's been making a pour-over coffee in my house. So it's it, it's a process that takes about five or ten minutes. Um, you have this like little coffee pot. You you boil the water. Yeah. You have this sort of like fancy glass thing that and and a little filter on the top. And you put the coffee in, and then you had to wait for the water to heat up. And then you put the coffee grinds in, and you slowly pour around. And there's like this whole methodology to how to do it. And you're just completely focused on this thing that you know is going to give you a little energy boost. Sure. The process is enjoyable. There's no distractions and it's just like a fun, a fun little thing I've injected into my, that's part of my daily routine. And then as part of a routine that maybe doesn't happen every day, um, but happens regularly is exercise or physical activity, getting outside, um, meditation. Um, and I like to seek inspiration, uh, which is different from everyone, but things that really inspire me are stories of perseverance um, I, I just love hearing about people who have overcome amazing adversity in their lives and uh, and persevered through that. 
Uh, and I've been on a Netflix kick, documentary kick recently. Um, and I'll, I'll try to weave some of that in yeah. uh, to what we're talking about today with uh, a few of the the documentaries I've watched. One is called, there's a series on Netflix called Unknown. Um, and one of the the episodes is called The Cosmic Time Machine. And it's a story about the James Webb Space Telescope that was launched. Okay. And this is years and decades in the making, a bunch of false starts. Um, and the, the <clears throat> it's really interesting to hear the person leading this talk about the number of people that were participating in this uh, and the building of this, you'll appreciate this, I think, as an aviator, 344 single point failures wow. in launching this thing. And for, for the audience, that means if one of those 344 things go wrong, any one of them, the entire thing is basically destroyed. It's done. So... It, it, and we'll get into risk management and the unknown a little bit. Uh, I've also watched 14 Peaks, talking about stories of perseverance. Uh, 14 Peaks is about these uh, Nepalese Sherpas led by this guy named Nims, who basically sets a goal for himself to uh, summit the 14 peaks around the world that are 8,000 meters or taller, which equates to just over 26,000 feet. So he's going to summit 14 26,000 wow. foot plus mountains in six months with this team. And it's just a, it's an incredible, incredible story. Uh, and the third one I'll mention is, is this uh, docu-series called Living to 100. And this is the one I really want to talk about in terms of daily routines. Living to 100, uh, the centenarians as they're called, there's, the documentary talks about these blue zones around yeah. the world and what these people do to try to live uh, as long a life and as happy a life as possible. And it's very much about daily routines and eating wisely, moving naturally, what their outlook is on life, having purpose and faith, uh, things like that, uh, and then connecting with their community. Yeah. So, you know, if, if people are looking for things to put in their queue, I would definitely recommend these three movies. And uh, I've just, I learned from these things. They inspire me. Uh, and in some ways, they they cause me to just take a pause and think about the things that I'm doing and, and what I can be doing better. Man, first, I'm going to go back to your pour over coffee because I should have, you know, that was a perfect segue to get... Uh, Matt Best and Evan Hafer from Black Rifle Coffee to plug them. So if they're listening, uh, you know, we we could take a great sponsorship from from Black Rifle. But um, yeah. man, I used to live in Okinawa, and I think Okinawa is one of those still one of those blue zones. And it was fascinating to watch these Okinawans in their daily routine. Now we lived on base. Um, obviously, but when we would interact in the community on the weekends and, and in the evenings to see them doing their daily things and how simplistic they did those things, but how, um, how they did them with purpose and they did them with excellence, um, was, was fascinating. You know, everything from sweeping off their front porch, taking out the trash, doing 
cleaning around the house outside their their home. Um, man, and and I was actually getting my haircut yesterday, and the we were watching one of the, the one of the episodes was playing about um, Loma Linda, and which is also one of those blue zones. Um, yep. And again, yeah, you, you're right. Faith and your routine and your your diet, all those things, while they can seem very complex from the outside to those people that are doing those things, they're very simple. They're very simple beliefs. They're very simple actions. And I think, like we've talked about before, but those simple actions result in very big um, outcomes, right? Brilliance in the basics or being good at the little things, at the daily things that you're doing result in extraordinary um, outcomes later on down the road, like living to 100. (laughs) If we could all be so lucky. Um, But I I think if we want to sort of tilt the odds in our favor, there's a lot to learn from from some of these things. And I know personally, and I, I know a lot of people who have a tendency when they're when they work hard and they work to deliver what they're tasked to deliver in life professionally, some of these things take a back seat. Yeah. Um, your, your personal health, your mental well-being, all those sorts of things. And, uh, and it, it's, a, it's always a pendulum, right? Uh, and y- if you get, you just need to be self-aware that when the pendulum goes too far in one direction to, to try to get that to swing back the other way, uh, to, to bring yourself back to the the important things in life, especially if you you want to try to hit that that 100 mark. Yeah. And maybe from a work perspective, you know, we're talking about things on a personal level. I think from a daily routine, more in terms of questions that I, I try to ask myself each day, how can I use, you know, we're in the world of artificial intelligence, large language models. So I always ask myself now, like, how can I use AI to help what I'm doing? Because in my opinion, it is basically a superpower that has been given to everybody. I've tried uh, using it in many different ways, and I'm always just stunned with what AI uh, is able to help us do now if you didn't necessarily have the skill to do it. Um, so that's that's one of the questions. Um, and then I ask myself, is what I'm working on supporting what I believe is my core competencies? You and I talked about this just before we kicked it off. Like, am I focused on the right things today? Uh, and are the things, you know, the other things, are they distractions? And is there a way to offload those distractions? And then the third thing is, am I happy signing off on this day for myself that I put in the effort to make progress, whether it's 1% better or 1,000% better? Um, can I sign off on this day and be proud of the day? Wow. That's awesome. I, I do love, um, and we talked about this before, thinking about offloading things that you're not good at. And that's usually what propels some of the best uh, leaders out there is when they recognize that their strength is, is in a field and they push off everything else on to people that are, are good at that, at those things, right. To free up their time to be really good. And, and I think entrepreneurs, um, my, myself included, we, get into a new stage of life and we feel like we've got to do everything or, or we maybe um, 
want to do everything or don't have the the ability to hire somebody else. So we have to do everything. But once the ability to find other experts and get some of that stuff off your plate to free you up in the things that you're really good at, that's when the difference is made. Um, and sometimes it can be done very cheaply with, you know, virtual assistants. I think AI is, is playing a big role in freeing up some people in, in that realm. So it's, it's a cool time. It's a cool time to be in right now for, especially for entrepreneurs, because we have the ability to get some of that stuff off our plate at a relatively low cost. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I can't think of a better time, at least in my sort of working part of my life, a better time to try to jump into entrepreneurship or start something uh, on your own or with with some folks. Uh, just the tools, the the cost of starting a business, the the things that are accessible to us nowadays. It's just incredible. Um, but with that said, the all these daily routines uh, and and what it sort of puts us in the right state of mind to do uh, allows us to take risks. But how how do these routines allow you to transition? into your day to deal with the unknown that comes from being an entrepreneur uh, and a person on their their second act in life? Well, you know, it, the question uh, I think you're asking is, you know, how do you, how do you reduce that risk? Is that right? Is, yeah, you know, so, you know, as a aviator, you know, in the Marine Corps, we have to do two things. There's risk management and there's risk mitigation. So the difference between the two risk mitigation is trying to take out all the risk in everything that you do. Well, it's, it's almost impossible unless you stay in your bed all day. Um, you're <laughs> not going to be able to, to mitigate all that risk, but the fine line is risk management. How do you accept the risk that is inherent in what you're doing for me was flying a helicopter. How do you, how do you manage that risk appropriately so that then you can step off and make those decisions? And when you, to put it in kind of a, a daily context, um, risk mitigation, right, is when you are going to drive to the store, it's wearing your seatbelt, adjusting your rears, driving the speed limit, being attentive as you drive, being, a, you know, an offensive driver, um, being um, aware, those are all things that are going to help mitigate the risk so that when you do get in that car and you make that decision, you said, yeah, I, I've taken out the risk that I can and I'm accepting the risk that I'm going to, to take by going to the store and um, you know, for aviators that we, we can't take out all the risk in flying. So that's yep. where that fine line comes in. Okay. We have done everything we've studied, we've planned, we've, br we've briefed, we know our aircraft, we know the situation that we're flying into. We've done all that stuff to mitigate the risk down to the acceptable level. Now we're willing to march on and take the flight go do what we need to do. And now man, we're able to now manage the risk that, that comes with the decision that we just took. Yeah. And there's a, there's a famous quote that reads under pressure. You don't rise to the occasion. You sing to the level of your training. 
and in uh, I imagine in your your world as an aviator, you've went through exhaustive training um, to be the best at your craft uh, in that um, in that part of your life. And but it, how do you compare and contrast that with with being an entrepreneur, where it's everything's unknown pretty much? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're uh, is trained to be an entrepreneur, but you have a vision, you have an idea. Um, you have a goal in mind. So how can you how can you weave in the daily routines with the with the risk management, and the risk mitigation into a world that's completely sort of unknown, but you know you want to try to tackle some part of it? Well, it definitely feels a, a bit of a risk, right? It feels riskier than than the environment I was in for the last twenty years. Yeah. Because over the last twenty years, you've trained, you prepare, you rehearse. Um, I think about flights that we would go on and we would fly the exact route that we're going to fly the next day. And we would come back and debrief all the things that we may have missed. And so that the, the actual day that we're going to fly game day, man, it's almost like there's, there's, um, you know, every step of the way, everything that's going to happen. Um, and that helps us really focus on the job at hand. But it feels like as an entrepreneur, every day, something new is coming around the corner. Um, <laughs> and every day you wake up, you feel um, different. I mean, this morning, to be honest, I feel very, I felt very defeated about the, where I was at as an entrepreneur. Felt like hmm. the, the things that I had been doing up to this point weren't making the impact that I thought they would be a year out. Right. So I've been doing this for a year and I'm not where I want to be. And so that is a feeling where it can stop you in your tracks or you can say, okay, I need to up the risk a little bit. I need to put myself out there a little bit more. I need to divert some of that attention, um, in a different direction because, um, maybe I've been too, um, you know, I've been too, um, what am I looking for? I, I, I have not put myself out there in the way I should have, or, um, maybe I need to step up in the way that I attack a problem. So it's different because every day is a new situation. It's a new problem and it does feel riskier. Put yourself out there, but, um, it, it's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun process as well. When you look back on it. It's interesting to hear you say you feel defeated after a year into this into this entrepreneurial journey, which is actually not that long of a time frame. And there, somebody famously said, uh, "It took me ten years to become an overnight success." <laughs> and uh, I, coming from the tech industry over the last eighteen years, seeing many many companies uh, launch and grow and survive. A tremendous amount of them are still trying to figure out how to make money. Sure. Uh, and, you know, they, they think in terms of scale and uh, once I get to a certain point uh, in terms of size and customers and things that I'll be able to flip a switch and, and monetize what I'm doing uh, so that all the economics of the business make sense. It's not always the case, um, but it, it does work uh, sometimes. And so I wouldn't be 
so hard on yourself uh, after just a year leaving uh, leaving a life behind, basically, from the military and jumping into this crazy world of entrepreneurship. That's yeah, I think you're just getting started, John. Well, you know, I think we do that to ourselves. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate that. But we do that to ourselves because if you come from a place where you've been very successful or you've ha- you yeah. achieved something that comes with a lot of hard work and then you hit that reset button, you start all over again, it's it's very hard not to look at the past and feel like you're not going to measure up to to that in the future. And it's very hard to forget where sometimes where it took you 20 years to get somewhere and now you're starting over. That's going to take some time to build that up. So it's a daily reminder that, you know, things, good things don't come easy and, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of preparation, but, um, but sometimes you need those reminders too, to, to resharpen that iron and to get back into it and with tenacity. So. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, we started off with daily routines. I think this just emphasizes the benefit of having, you know, at least one or two things every day that you're trying to do either professionally or personally. Absolutely. Because you have control over those things. And if you can check off that, that box, um, for those one or two things that, that make you feel good that translates into the the actions and things you're going to do throughout the day and how you plan your week and, and how you interact with others. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a, it's a good lead in to our next topic, which is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right. And uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but you know, with the routines and the past experiences and the ways to mentally prepare for something, we still find that we're doubting our abilities our pursuits and the possibility to succeed. Um, you know, some people call it imposter syndrome and that's absolutely what I struggle with at times. Um, you, you want to tell us what is imposter syndrome? Yeah. Uh, it's, I think a lot of people experience it. It's a, but it's a term that's sort of in vogue, more in vogue these days for lack of a better expression. It's, it's just something where people are becoming more aware of what it is. But it's the condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally, despite being a high-performing person in external objective ways. Uh, and people tend to think of themselves as like a fraud or a phony and, and are doubting their abilities. And I've, I've suffered from it. Uh, you've just mentioned you've suffered from it. I, I was talking about 14 Peaks, uh, the documentary on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and the the lead Nepalese climber Nims he's he gets to there's a an incredibly powerful scene in that movie where he's summited nine of the fourteen mountains he's at mountain ten I think it is and that's K two which is like one of the most gnarly most deadly mountains he gets there with his team and there's a base camp and base camp I I don't want to give away too much but they get to this base camp. Mm-hmm full of people that had tried to summit, failed, came back down, and everyone's all bummed out. And he brings this energy and excitement about what he's accomplished and what he's going to do here with this group. And they're like, hey, you, you can't change a mountain. I know, you know you're, you're a very positive guy, and 
like you have some skills and all this, but uh, you can't change the mountain. And he's like, I'm not going to change the mountain, but there's a way to sort of look at a problem and look at how you've tried to solve that problem and see if I can reassess it and, and try something different along with, you know, my don't quit attitude. And he inspires this group, gets them all riled up, gives them like a second life. But there's a moment where he doubts himself. I mean, the guy just summited nine mountains in a like a couple, two, three months period of time that are over 26,000 feet. And he's still standing in front of this mountain and he's like, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do this. Yeah. But he, he has that moment of imposter syndrome. And then he, I don't something in his head uh, or something inside him says, just go for it. Yeah. And with, with the new sort of way he wants to solve that problem and he perseveres. Uh, and I, I'm not going to give away anymore. Just if you haven't watched it, if the audience hasn't watched it, watch 14 Peaks. It's incredibly inspiring right. movie. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, when I left the Marine Corps after uh, my time in, I dealt with imposter syndrome hardcore. Um, I decided to get out. I took a couple months off to figure out what I wanted to do. But one, two of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to get into commercial real estate development and I wanted to help other people through coaching. And when I started both of those things, I felt incredibly out of my place, almost to the the point of not being able to um, take any action. Because here, who am I? This person that's flown helicopters for twenty years, that's you know been in uniform. Now I'm out of uniform. I'm not in a helicopter, and I'm telling people how to start taking action. And I'm looking at. Uh, real estate with a lens that I've never, you know, looked at and, and having to analyze situations that I've never, I've never done professionally. And the most powerful thing that I found was just taking action, just taking the step, just calling myself a coach or saying that the last 20 years where I've worked with Marines and helped them you know, through their problems is just like coaching. It's just been in uniform without a title. You know, it's, it's being a Marine officer and helping, you know, younger Marines get through their daily struggles. That That's a coach. It's just different, yep. different term. And uh, I've always loved real estate. I've just never put it into action. So the two things I did is I found somebody that had been a coach before is a coach. And I asked them how to start. And I started taking notes and I started implementing things that he was teaching me. And then two, I found a commercial real estate developing partner that I could build a, a company with. And I said, Hey, listen, I don't know much, but I know you do. And I'd like to come along and help where you need the most assistance. And it started to resonate within me and it started to build upon itself to where a year out, even though sometimes I wake up like this morning and don't feel successful, I have to look back at the progress that I've made from that year and say, yeah, I've, I've had a bunch of clients, coaching clients, and I've had some um, real estate deals that we've been able to analyze and talk about and work through. And so 
getting over the imposter syndrome is sometimes looking at just the success you've made or the progress you've made over a period of time and saying, okay, that progress is leading me into something bigger. I'm not, maybe I'm not there yet, but I'm way better than I was when I started. And, yep. um, so it's real. It, it affects us all, no matter what we're doing, especially in our second act, when we're, we're starting something potentially completely new. Um, you're experiencing probably some of that right now as you go from tech to doing, <laughs> you know, being an entrepreneur and yeah, you're doing some of that tech inside your entrepreneur pursuits, but it's all new. It's all new and it, and it sometimes can shake you to the core and shake you to inaction if you don't address it appropriately. No question. I, uh, there's moments I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> what, who, who am I to yeah. start a podcast with John Ballinger and, you know, Another talk guy. about this and it stuff. Doesn't know what <laughs> he's doing. <laughs> you know, but I, and it's funny, just coming back to something you said, we, we have a tendency to overweight someone else's abilities and accomplishments and underweight our own. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a weird thing to me. Um, and it probably speaks to, uh, the fact that we value humility as a value, um, a core value of how we operate. And, uh, I think we overcome that by, like you said, you you just have to put one foot in front of the other. You just got to try stuff, see what works, see what doesn't work. Don't you know lose sight of the things that you have accomplished. I, I can I'm I can give you an, an on air testimonial here in working with you that uh, you as my coach when we work we're working together at the beginning of the year. You helped boost my confidence through some of the things that we did together, uh, some of the exercises that we worked through, you pushed me to take some more risks uh, around things that I probably would have uh, questioned or um, maybe not done at all. I don't know. Um, it's hard to know. So I, I thank you for that. Yeah. And then, you know, here we are on our, <laughs> on our we're, we're into it now, <laughs> yeah. regardless. Yeah, we're into it. And and we're having fun doing it, trying to figure it out, and trying to let people know we're we're talking about this crazy stuff. And I would rather try and fail yeah. than not try at all. Yeah, uh, I, not trying to me is just I, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There's something about putting yourself out there like that and trying. I, you know, being an aviator, aviation was an easy thing to fall back into, but there was something about it that just didn't sit right at the time. Not saying it's not going to sit right, um, or, you know, that I'm going to get back into it. But at the time it was like, okay, I've done this thing. I, I, I've been a part of it. It's, it's been a part of my life for a long time. I want to just go out there and do something different. And man, there's days where you feel like it's the perfect fit. And then there's days where you're, you're, you think, what am I doing? Why did I not just choose the easier road? But um, I think Walt Whitman wrote If, right? And it talks about the road less traveled and taking the road less traveled and how that can um, result in some pretty significant places and, and end up being the, the thing that, the thing that makes the difference. Yeah. And, uh, 
so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting that battle you go back and forth of thinking, did I make the right decision? Did I not make, you know, should I gone with the easy thing? Is this pursuit really going to work out in my favor? Um, so yeah, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes we just need that person to come alongside of us and challenge us to take that risk. Cause that could be the thing that's holding us back. Yeah. And, but as we go, this is a great sort of segue into the next thing we plan to talk about as we go back and forth on, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? How should I do it? What should I do first? All these sorts of things you can get into analysis paralysis yep. and then wind up doing nothing because you're just sort of like frozen in thought. Uh, so how do you, uh, how do you like power through that? How do you get to the point where like, oh my gosh, I have all this information. I've done my research and I've looked at the small possibility of success and then all the, the road of people trying littered with failure. Like how do I get to the point of getting past analysis paralysis? Wow. Um, <laughs> it, it, I can think of two thing, two, two instances. Um, one's a quote from Mike Tyson, right? He says, um, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. Right. And then two in the Marine Corps, we always talk about there's, there's great plans, but no plan survives first contact. Um, so in both of those instances, it, it's kind of freeing to think that you're going to go through all this planning and all this coordination and all this training, and then something's going to happen. And all of a sudden you're going to find yourself having to recreate a new plan of attack or a new decision, uh, making process. And so to me, those are pretty freeing saying that no matter what you choose, no matter what you step off and do, you're probably going to have to readjust, right? The OODA loop again, yeah. going back to that. And so I, I look at that and say, well, okay, no matter how good I am at analyzing something, eventually I'm going to have to make a decision and I'm probably going to be disappointed in that decision initially or, or later on. And I'm going to have to readjust, you know, I, I think it's just about putting yourself out there and getting started and knowing, giving yourself the freedom that it's going to have to be adjusted at some point. I mean, you, you are now embarking on, you know, your entrepreneurship and stepping away from a very good and stable job. And what, what made you step out there like that? For me, it, I like to lead by example and the most important person I want to uh, be an example for is my son. So I think allowing myself to take risks to succeed or fail and showing him it's okay is why I do it. Because it, I know that most decisions you make, you can pivot off of them. There's a, there's a handful of decisions in life that, you know, can really put you in a bad spot or, or 
you know, be terminal in some ways. Yeah. Um, but in life, a lot of the things you're doing, you know, we're, we're not running from dinosaurs or predators anymore, the fight or flight stuff. Like a lot of the stuff we go through life and do, we, the outcome, whatever it is, we can adjust and, and overcome and, uh, you know, take a new path if necessary. And I think that's, that's what allows me to, to take the risks and, and do these things. Wow. Obviously you can tell by your demeanor, it's very near and dear to your heart. And I think a lot of these decisions are very emotional decisions and they're once you make them it's kind of a natural it's a natural segue for you in your life um and they're rooted behind family and beliefs and um what you think is best and it, sometimes it's hard it's hard to look back and say or it's hard to look at and say man I feel like i'm making the right decision when it's not working the way you want it to or sometimes you think when it is working out, you're like, man, why didn't I do this sooner? Um, yeah. But th that's all part of the the excitement and the journey, right, of the second chapter. And the next step is taking some of that experience that you've learned and gained and stepping out into the unknown again um, for maybe some of the reasons that you you put off initially or some of the fear that you didn't want to deal with initially. Um, and so a lot of that, as you can tell, just kind of surfaces back up when you do know that you're doing the right thing. Um, so I commend you on making that decision and doing it for um, the reasons you're doing it to, to show and demonstrate and be the leader um, and be the example. So well done. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah, this well, I uh I wasn't expecting us to sort of round out this episode and uh what could be a, a heavy emotional topic, but I'm I'm glad we we talked about it and you know, it sort of goes back to your why um uh, that we talked about in the last episode and um, you know, we've talked a lot today about the things that help us continue making progress toward our goals, uh, daily routines and dealing with imposter syndrome and how to break out of analysis paralysis. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts you want to share with the audience before we, we call it a day? Well, I just, I, all of these topics are, are very, can be very difficult to get around and um debilitating but i i i want to plug in um not necessarily for me but for for those out there that are dealing with you know maybe analysis paralysis or imposter syndrome the, one of the easiest ways to overcome that is find somebody that can champion you and be alongside yep. of you and give you the encouragement from the sidelines whether that's a, a mentor a coach um a spouse um a friend but somebody that can keep you accountable for making forward motion and action, putting action towards the things that you truly want to, you know, drive towards. And so I think with you and with me, it's 
been one of the difference makers in our lives and has gotten us to where we are having those people yeah. there. So I don't want to over overstate the importance, but it, um, it, but it is something that that has made significant breakthroughs in, in many people's lives to include you and I. So um, consider that if if you're stuck. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll echo that. And uh, not just with the successes people want to achieve in life, but uh, again, living, if you want to live a long life, that's one of the, one of the four key components um, is finding the right partnership, um, family first, having the right tribe of people, you know, the people who are going to inspire you, motivate you, pick you up when you're, when you're uh, falling down. Uh, be there by your side. Those uh, are critically important uh, on a number of dimensions. So, I think that's a that's a great way for us to close close out today's conversation. And I'll say, till next time. Until next time, Michael. It's been fun, man. I I really appreciate this journey. Thanks for being here yeah. with me. Thanks. Likewise, John. The second act with Michael and John features Michael Newborn and John Ballinger podcast is produced by seltzer kings for more information on the show check out michaelandjohn.com or if you'd like to get involved in the conversation give the guys a shout on their socials at the second act with michael and john on most platforms thanks for listening seltzer kings podcasts